Good morning, Burian. Everybody doing all right? All right, good, good. It's good being here with you this morning. Hey, uh, anybody ever do anything stupid and get in trouble from their spouse? Ever? Ever? The only people that shouldn't have had their hands up are single. Uh, the rest of us have done some things. Um, I have this habit, and I'm going to show you real quick here. I have this habit, guys. Anybody else, take your ring off, get on a table, and you do one of these. There's cracks all around. This is just how smart I am, right? And you do one of those numbers. Any, guys, anybody else? I've lost a few rings, okay? I, I've lost a few rings, not one, but multiple. Uh, the first ring I lost, we were married for like 12, 13 years maybe at this point. So I had a good run. I had a good run with this ring. Um, it was a, a, our original ring. I was at, working at New Life Bible Camp for a few weeks and um, um, staying in a camper. Somehow during my time at New Life Bible Camp, I lost my ring. You might say, and women, you probably will, how do you lose your ring? What? You should never take it off. You should die with that on your hand, Right? For whatever reason, probably trying to keep it from getting damaged because I'm so thoughtful, I had taken off my ring and I lost it. Uh, like I said, it wasn't the first time. Anybody here ever lose a wedding ring? Thank you. Oh. Wait, 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 I want to see hands again. I want to see hands again. Um, well, I see a couple women, but it's mostly guys. <laughs> it's mostly guys. You know, there's, I came across this story that I want to read to you. Uh, it turns out I'm not the only one ever to lose my wedding ring. It's, it's happened before, as, as you guys are just bared witness. And by the way, if you want to start turning in your Bible, if you want to know where we're going to be today, it's Romans chapter 10, uh, where Tim started us off with the kids this morning. You can go there now. But I came across this story in the Reader's Digest, kind of a, a good news, feel-good story. Uh, not a lot of feel-good stories out there, are there? All right, it says this, combing the beach with a metal detector can be fun and sometimes lucrative hobby. But for one man, it's become a beautiful life mission. Joseph Cook was doing his usual route along a Florida beach when he came across a platinum and diamond engagement ring. He immediately knew it was something special and took it to the jeweler for an appraisal. By the way, is it funny to anybody else that the first place he went with this was to the jeweler? You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but let's just see how much it's worth. Anyways, but, but while it was potentially worth $40,000 to him, he knew it was priceless to the person who lost it. So he posted it on social media, asking for leads on the owner. Uh, several weeks later, he heard from a woman who confirmed the ring was hers. She just said, I can't believe it. And then she just started crying, he remembers. It felt really good. Now, I have a question for you guys. If you were in his spot here, how many of you are willing to admit you would have just taken it to the pawn shop? Anybody? Clint halfway raised his hand, didn't want Peggy to see. I saw. I saw. <laughs> so nobody really raised their hand. That's funny to me. So, so what we're saying is most of us, if we found somebody's diamond ring, we would probably go out of our way because of the value it had to that person to find the person so that they could have it, right? Is that what we're saying? And we all agree that that's true. Okay, good. We would do that, I think. Um, would you be worried about what people would think about you, finding out that you use a metal detector on the beach, that you probably wear socks with sandals, right? We know, you, you know, there's not too many like 30-year-old guys that are like, you know, really cool that are walking around the beach with a metal detector, right? So you'd be okay with 
but people knowing that you were doing something that some people might think is kind of nerdy or something like that. You'd be okay with that too, right? Because who cares? We just want to make sure that the person who lost this valuable ring would get that back to, to her, right? And that would, that, would be, that would outweigh any potential embarrassment. Some of you know where I'm going with this. We have the most valuable information in the history of the world and sometimes we're too embarrassed about what people will think about us to tell them. Every one of us, not one of us rose our hand saying we would pawn that and keep it for ourselves. Guys, why do we keep the gospel to ourselves? Why do we hold on to it? The world needs the good news of Jesus Christ and we have been entrusted with that message. Who cares what people think about us? They probably already think we're nerdy anyways right it's the good news the gospel the most valuable thing in this earth we're going to pray and then we're going to be in romans chapter 10 starting in verse 9 god i just thank you for this day i thank you for uh Berean, god and the people who are here and just so many wonderful stories so many wonderful people and such a long history of sharing your love with our community God, let us not grow complacent. Let us not be okay with holding on to the best news ever and keeping it for ourselves. God, give us a Holy Spirit fire and desire to preach your good news to all those who are around us. God, as we go to your word today, may you speak in and through it that we may become closer to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start off by reading Romans 10, verses 9 through 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and check out those verses, starting in verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, because bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now I want to talk a little bit about this text. And, and by the way, I, I was supposed to be out here before the service started. Uh, Isaiah covered me, but just, in case, just so you know, uh, we're going to be right at about an hour today because we do have some kids in the room. Um, and we're doing our, our vision cast kind of announcements at the end of the service, if you were wondering uh, how you missed that. You, you didn't miss it. We're going to come back to that. But uh, this text that we're in, Paul is in the midst of arguing that the law wouldn't lead to righteousness. It is the faith that leads to righteousness. So if you kind of go back before these texts and see what Paul is writing, that's the argument he's making here. Again, uh, that the law wouldn't lead to righteousness. It is your faith that can lead you to righteousness. Uh, if that sounds a little bit familiar, if you're familiar with the text in Hebrews 11, uh, we see this happening over and over and over again. Uh, it's kind of like the hall of fame of faith is, is how it's known. Uh, just listen to some of the, what this says. It was by faith that Abel offered to God a more, sacri or more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, 
through which he was commended as righteous. Moving on, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would, should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, but before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. It, it was by faith, being warned of God concerning, uh, being warned by God concerning events yet as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. It was, it was by faith that Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. It, it was by faith again with Abraham. When he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and, he, um, and who he had received, and he who had received the promises was the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him up from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. But it was by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. It was by faith that Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they did because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, the author says here, for time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. By faith. By faith. Going back to our text, Paul in Romans is teaching that God has always desired our faith, not just adherence to rules. He doesn't just want your blind adherence, that, that you would just go through the motions. He wants you to be a people of faith. He wants us to be people of faith. This is the difference between a dead religion and a living faith. You know, it's easy to see it, that, um, um, that many of the Jews were just following the customs and rules without a living faith. My question for you today, is this possible? Could that happen in the church today? Can we just go through the motions? Can we become worried about the, the wrong things and make it about the rules and adherence to those rules and miss out on a living faith, which will lead to this living hope, which will lead to an awesome adventure with God? Listen, I don't want you to just come here on Sunday morning, guys. I want you to be having the most incredible adventure while you're enjoying God together. I want all of you to wake up in the morning with a fire in your belly to see people go from death unto life. You see, this faith that we have, this, this religion that we are in, isn't about just the following and adhering to rules. It's about getting to join God on this incredible journey, on this incredible mission, on this incredible adventure. Christianity is fun. It's fun. It's good for you, and my goodness, the world needs it. 
The world needs it. What an opportunity that we have. A couple rhetorical questions. How about this one? When was the last time that you stepped out in faith? If there was a Hebrews 11 about your life, how many verses would be there? By faith, you did this. By faith, you did that. By faith, this happened. You know, if there's a few of those verses, write them down. Remember when you had faith and you stepped out in faith. Remember the hand of God in that. Remember that. It's good for you to remember those things. Maybe today is the day that you need to put your faith in God for the first time. Maybe it's today that you say, God, I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to believe what you have said. I'm going to believe your promises. And I'm going to follow you. Maybe that will be today that for the first time you do that. Maybe you, you, you had a faith when you were young. And you've strayed away. You, you, you haven't been following Christ. You, you have kind of gone in a different direction. Listen, that's part of my story. That's part of several people's stories in this room. Maybe today you say, today's the day that I'm returning to that faith. Today's the day I'm going to return to that faith. God's going to do something, and I know it, and I want to be a part of it. And I'm giving my life. I'm going to recommit my life to him. Maybe that will be today. Maybe today you'll be freshly inspired and motivated to share your faith with other people. Our, te- our, uh, our text today teaches, by the way, how it is that we put our faith in Christ. That's part of what our text says, uh, uh, teaches here. It's the gospel, the good news. And my first point this morning is, because of the good news, there is hope for everyone. There is hope for everyone. Remember verses uh, 9, and, uh, 9 through 11 in Romans 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Excuse me. So how does this start? How does this start? If we're going to put my faith in Jesus for the first time, he says you have to have confession with your mouth. If you confess with your mouth, that means you make it public. You make it public. I don't know what's happened over a period of time, but it seems like we've bought a lie that, that our relationship with God is one that is meant to be private. That, that it's just me and him, nobody else. It doesn't matter what people around me uh, know about me. They don't need to know about my faith in God. That's my business. That's not really their business. But here in Romans 10, it says, listen, part of it is confessing with your mouth that you are not ashamed, that you are going to make it public, that you are putting your faith in Christ. Make it public. For some of us, that was easy to do when we first became Christians, but for some reason, we've become ashamed and don't want to tell anybody. What does it say about our faith? What does it say about what we believe? What does it say about what we value? Confess with your mouth. Make it public. It was in belief to have faith that God raised Jesus from the dead. This is a big deal. You're confessing with your mouth. 
that Jesus is Lord. By the way, Lord means master, like slave and master. So if you are confessing, if you are making it public that Jesus is going to be your master, should your life look something like the servant of God? Yeah. Yeah. Our life should look something like a servant of God, if Jesus is our Lord. Confession with your mouth, make it public. Belief, faith that God raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, it requires faith for us to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because we weren't there. We didn't see it with our own eyes. Now, now I would say we have some very good and strong reasoning to put that, our faith in the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. That, that we don't have to go in this completely blind. We talked about this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But there is a lot there that can give us confidence in that belief. There, there's this idea in this text that it's both head and heart both cognitive and, and volition, that, w- that we believe and we act, and it transforms, and it begins to change us, both head and heart. Remember, even the devil knows that Jesus rose from the dead. How is it changing our hearts? And I love this next part. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Listen. Some of you, I know, I, I'm shocked I haven't got the emails, and I probably will now. Some of you are disappointed that I didn't go into the whole Calvinism debate yet while I'm going through Romans. Um, newsflash, I'm not going to. Other than to say this, and some of you who are here, you're like, what the heck is Calvinism? Listen for a different day, okay? There is a tension between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man that we will not understand, I don't believe, this side of heaven. That's what I want you to hear today. Here's the next thing I want you to hear. I'm not smart enough to get it. There are people on both sides of this debate that are far smarter than me. I'm going to let them go ahead and argue. You know what I'm going to stick on? I'm going to stick on this. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And I have a responsibility, an obligation, and a joy to share that good news with others. Listen, do I know who starts all this and how the whole thing works? Listen, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That's what I'm going to worry about. And that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to believe. Friends, because of the good news, there's hope for everyone. Our job isn't to figure out, well, I don't know if they were predestined or not. Listen, let God worry about that. Let God worry about that. Share your faith with others because everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Because of the good news, there's hope for everyone. And because of the good news, there is a community where everybody is equal. Where all are equal. Romans 10, 12 through 13. Before I do this, I'm going to tie my shoes. Some of you are like, he's in a fall. Teens. <laughs> I knew there was somebody here just like, I, I don't know what he's saying. His shoe's untied. <laughs> Is he even talking still? <laughs> Front row scooting back. <laughs> Romans 12, 10, 12 through 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Christ, there's a level playing field. 
You know, the history of humanity has not really looked like this. Different ethnicities have looked down upon different ethnicities, and, 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 and there was, there's been slavery, there's been atrocities, there's been killings. Everyone. Listen, under Christ our King, there is equality. There's a room for every ethnicity at the cross. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, what your background is, where you come from. You, my friend, are loved by God. And there's equality in Christ. This is not a religion for one ethnic group. Shame on us for ever making it so. This is not a religion for the rich, just the rich and the wealthy. Shame on us for ever making the poor feel like they don't fit in. This is not a religion even for one political party or even one nation. This is not a religion, just a religion. This is a relationship with all who call on the name of the Lord. That's what defines us. Being followers of Christ. That's what defines us. That's where we should find our identity. That's what should inform every one of our beliefs, by the way. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is for the second time in just one paragraph that Paul brings this up. Repeating himself. Maybe this is an important point. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? If that is what we believe, and I think we do believe it, are we sharing, sharing the word of the Lord so that people have the opportunity? So that people might know that they are loved? So, so that people might understand that there is hope for them, not just condemnation. So that people can make a decision, God, I want to follow you. Are we, are we going to be willing to live our lives like we believe that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Are we going to be living our lives like, like we believe that truth? Uh, do we, we're going to live our lives? Is it going to match up that we believe that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Or do we forget that? Well, you know what, the world, man, they, they are messed up. They're doing this, they're doing that. They are, they are, yes! And so were you at one point. But God who changes everything, including the heart of man, will use you to share his truth. Because of the good news, there is a privilege and responsibility of sharing that good news with others. It's a privilege because we get to join God. The creator of the universe says, you know what, I want you to join me. Use your own name there. I want you to join me, God, the creator of this universe, to spread this good news. You get to be a part of it. How exciting is that? 
man, it's so cool. It's so exciting. Uh, verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul says, let me make it perfectly clear to all of you. The world needs the good news of Jesus Christ. How are they going to hear it if you don't share it? True, not everybody's going to respond in faith. True, that is absolutely a fact. Some of them will look down on you for sharing that good news. Also fact. Some of them will even condemn you. Maybe in certain parts of the world, you might even get persecuted, like really persecuted, not just called names, but murdered. All of those things are true. All of those things are possibilities. But how are the people in this world going to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ if we don't tell them? What an opportunity for us to see lives transformed. There are some things I, I see in this text. One of them is this. There is only one way, one path to salvation and the world needs to hear it. There aren't multiple ways to God. There aren't different options for us to pick. There's only one way. There is one path. And that is through Jesus Christ our Lord. In this text, Paul asks three rhetorical questions. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? People who haven't yet put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. How are they going to call on Jesus? They don't believe in Him. Back to that faith question. The second one was this. And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard. You know, there are huge pockets in this world where less than 2% of people are Christians. Some with less than 1%. There, there are people groups that make up millions that have never had a fair shot at responding to the gospel. Today, 2023, Several million people have not yet had an opportunity to respond to the gospel. What does that mean? Church, that means we get busy. We get busy proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Last week, uh, um, Phil talked about a class that we have coming up, the ASL, American Sign Language class. Did you know that that is considered, the, American, uh, the, the, the deaf community in America are considered an unreached people group? Did you know that? Right in our midst, right in our community, right in our neighborhoods, there is an unreached people group. Let's get busy. Let's get busy and share the good news. We have missionaries in, 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 in all over, you know, Middle East and Europe and Asia. All of those areas have unreached people groups. Let's get busy and stay busy. But let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Do you know you might have neighbors that haven't had a fair shot at the gospel yet. They might have heard about Jesus. They might have seen different things posted. Maybe it's time for you to share that good news with them. Maybe it's time for you to act in faith 
to step out and say, this is going to be really uncomfortable. I don't know what they're going to think of me when we're mowing the grass next Tuesday. And we kind of, hey, this is awkward, yeah. Let God worry about all that stuff. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. And how will they hear without someone preaching? We're not just talking about from the pulpit here. Paul then quotes Isaiah 52.7, which says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says, Zion, your God reigns. This isn't a new plan. Even Israel was, was set to be a, a, a light or a, um, a city on a hill so that the world could see the goodness of God. Even Israel in Old Testament was there to be a blessing to those around them so that people might know the real and true God. This has been a plan from all along to share the good news and hope in Christ. It's funny that there's a couple times in the text, in the Bible, where it mentions feet. Uh, another time, Ephesians 6.15, part of the armor of God, if you know that text, it says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Why, why our shoes? Why our feet? Maybe it's because we need to get moving preaching the gospel. And maybe this is an activity that we should be participating in. Maybe it means that we don't just stand still waiting for some divine opportunity, but that we get up and we go intentionally to tell others about Christ. That's what we've been called to do, church. Church, let's get busy making our feet beautiful. Let's get busy sharing the good news of Christ with a lost and dying and hopeless world. Let's stop worrying about how it might make us feel. Because here's the thing, guys. I, I know if statistics are, are true, most of you have had, never had the experience of leading somebody to Christ. It is a life-changing thing. It is a life-changing thing. Guys, when you get the opportunity to look someone in the eye and you share your faith and you get to see them respond to the gospel and you get to be there when a miracle occurs, when one who was once dead is now alive, when one who was once lost is now found, when you get to be a part of that, guys, that is so exciting. It is one of the best experiences you can have in this world. And guess what? It's waiting for you to be faithful so you can be part of that. Oh, guys, we're missing out. We're missing out. Stop waiting for somebody else to share the good news. If it's your good news, too. What an opportunity that we have. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We have another song before we conclude. As the band comes back up, though, guys, listen. If you're in this room, if you're watching online, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, why not make it today? Why not make it today that you do that? God sent his son to die on the cross so that you may have life and have it in abundance. Take hold of that today. Maybe you've done that long ago and you've strayed. You've tried to live your life your own way. You've tried to be working and building on your own kingdom. Maybe it's time where you say, God, I'm not going to try it anymore. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go back to that faith that I once had and follow you.
But church, maybe today you say, you know what? There are so many things I can worry about. There are so many things that I can concern myself with. But today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a point to concern myself with gospel proclamation so that the people around me may know so that they have a fair shot at the gospel. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? God, I just thank you. I thank you for a day spent with family. I thank you for giving us the church, that you'd give us one another, that you'd give us this community where all are equal. We thank you for that. God, you've given us different roles and different things to do, but God, our standing in you as followers of Christ, our dearly beloved children, again, equal at the foot of your cross. God, I just thank you that there is hope for everyone in this world. And God, I thank you that we have this privilege along with the responsibility of sharing the good news with others. Help us to take that seriously. Help us to get busy sharing your good news. God, we love you and we praise you. With our heads still down, eyes still closed, if today is the day where you said, you know what, I want to put my faith in Jesus today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to have you come forward or anything like that. Maybe you're in the room. You say, I've been, I've been running for a while. And I need to return. I need to return to Christ. As his dearly beloved child. If that's you, just slip up your hand. So I can pray for you. Maybe you just need the boldness and the confidence and the words to speak to proclaim the good news to people around you. If that's you, just slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you know the hands, you know the hearts. Help us, God. Help us to live our lives full of faith so that we can see amazing, incredible things happen. In Jesus' name, amen.